We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. It's Sam Adams. We're constantly improving who we are, what we do, and how we brew. We may craft over 60 styles of beer, but it's Boston Lager that has captured the heart of America since 1984. With its deep amber color, caramel notes, and signature hop character, what better to have in your pint glass? Sam Adams Boston Lager. Pursue better. Boston Beer Company, Boston Mass. Save responsibly. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Drive Sober or Get Pulled Over. Derek Van Riper here with Nick Whalen. If you're listening to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher, it could leave us a nice rating or review. We would greatly appreciate it. Thanks to those of you who've taken the time to do that. It is the podcast tip jar, as we like to call it. Uh, a few news items to get to. We're also going to run through the first week of preseason games. We'll get you the performances of note from the entire league. So we've got a lot of ground to cover in this episode, Nick. Let's start with the big news items. You've got Bruce Gredkowski tearing his hamstring listed first. I'm not sure these are listed in any particular order. No, no, no. They're not in they're not necessarily in order of importance. But yeah, I mean the Steelers are now down a backup quarterback, Bruce Gradkowski, uh going down with a torn hamstring. Obviously, he's gonna miss several weeks, and obviously this has just about zero fantasy implications. Yeah, we may have buried the lead slightly. Uh the more important news for the last 24 hours or so is that Josh Gordon is officially active. He's expected to be back at practice today. I think that's probably happening while we record, yeah. probably an early afternoon practice if they haven't had it already. Uh, but certainly good news because Gordon needs to get into shape as his suspension comes to a close after week four. I mean, there's plenty of time. So the extra pounds that he needs to shed, uh, according to Hugh Jackson, I have no concerns about that whatsoever. The ongoing concern, of course, with Josh Gordon is, you know, he has to stay out of trouble between now and week five. But hopefully he's a guy that realizes this is probably his last chance in the NFL before he goes on the Justin Blackman list, which is definitely 
official at this point. It's a thing, even though they don't talk on, about man. it. Come on. Definitely happens. Uh, it was a low blow. Greater Ohio softball leagues could be <laughs> could be getting a boost from Josh Gordon at some point in the next year or two. Hopefully not. I want to see him on the field. He's one of my favorite players to watch when he's out there. So we'll see what he's able to do here in the coming weeks, uh, perhaps playing in some preseason games too. I believe he's allowed to play in the preseason. I think so. Yeah. I mean, top before that suspension begins. Yeah. So you got that going on. Uh, the lions have signed Andrew Corliss to bolster up their tight end depth, probably in part because of the Eric Ebron injury. I never saw a timetable for Ebron. I don't know if the lions have really revealed the exact nature of his no. injury, but this would obviously be some kind of depth move uh, in part because it, it doesn't really fit early because Corliss is a two game suspension. That's maybe he'll get that reduced or somehow overturned. I doubt it. He was suspended for uh, firing a gun in public. So yeah, that happens. You know, some yeah. Maybe maybe Goodell doesn't have all the facts yet. Do we know what really happened with that? There's a difference between firing a gun and firing a gun at someone. You know, like he doesn't seem to be in any trouble as far as you know some sort of attempted murder or anything like that. Like, did he just shoot it straight up in the air? Is like, that the only like, way to like, there was that? a There was an altercation, and in an effort to calm everybody down, he just fired, fired the gun, gun up in the air and was like, hey, hey, guys, peace, peace. Hey, like, let me bring out this gun. That'll, that'll calm everybody yeah, down. Yeah, right, exactly. I mean, it's happened in Miami last July 4th? Last July 4th. Really? 2015. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so... Yeah, I mean, it's an odd move. Like you said, it kind of would lead you to believe that maybe they're grabbing some insurance in case Eric Ebron isn't ready. But is Eric Ebron really going to miss that much time beyond week two? It doesn't seem like it. At least they haven't really given us anything definitive to to believe that. So I don't know. Maybe they're just interested in Andrew Corliss and it has nothing to do with Ebron. Yeah, we'll we'll see. I mean, Brandon Pettigrew would be the guy that probably steps up in the shorter term, more of a blocker at this point plotting tight end to put it nicely uh, Sheldon Rankins 12th overall pick in the draft this spring broke his fibula at Monday's practice that probably ends his season I would think unless it's an IR designated to return yeah late they, year I mean, return. they were saying it could be you know like 12 weeks, weeks yeah. 10 weeks you know something like that it, it's you know not only do you have to recover from the injury uh, you have to get the strength back you got to get back up to full speed I mean it's a situation where you know maybe he plays two or three games at the end of the year but Pretty much looks like it's going to be a lost season for the 12th overall pick. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it that way, too, they have to burn a roster spot all year if they don't use the IR designated to return. I don't know why all IR spots can't have a designation to return. Like, I mean, more players would get paid if that happened. That seems like a good thing for the players. And you get the flexibility as a team to actually rest players who are broken. So I don't know. Maybe maybe they'll have I get to write the CBA. I, I think that every year. Yeah, I always I always wish that I could go get paid in a large number of billable hours for for working on something as laborious as that. But I don't know. Sheldon Rankins may be out for the year. We'll see what happens in the next few weeks. Roster flexibility again, probably paramount in that situation. Uh, Terrell Suggs back from the pup list. Does he have anything left in the tank as an IDP, or is he just kind of a, a filler at this point? A guy that's decent player, but you know, obviously well provides- past his prime. I think he's going to provide more intangible value, you know, than he's going to provide fantasy value at this point. I, I think, you know, it's kind of similar to, to what the Ravens got from Ray Lewis at the end of his career. Um, you know, a guy who, whose production had obviously tailed off as he aged, but you know, kind of anyone you talk to around the team would tell you, you know, his impact was still felt. So, I mean, Suggs did have 12 sacks in 2014 at 10 sacks the year before. Uh, so a guy, you know, he's shown he can produce after age 30, but you know, coming off of what's a pretty severe injury. I'm certainly not targeting him in any IDP leagues. Terrell Suggs was a pretty good guest on the XM show once. He was on because was he was he? promoting a movie that he had written. What? Yeah, he wrote a movie. What movie? Well, he wrote he wrote a screenplay and the coalition had it like. made as a movie. Hmm. Yeah, so keep an eye out for that. Maybe it's on Netflix or something. I never really, never really looked, tracked it down after the interview. All right, so week one of the preseason in the books. As always, we start with the Jags. They fell 17-13 to the Jets in their preseason opener. First team offense played a couple series. Actually looked pretty good, like really good. and Suspiciously good. That's a great sign for, for Jacksonville, but yeah. that's kind of what we expect. Like We expect this to be a good offensive team and one that can run the ball more effectively this year than last year, thanks to the presence of Chris Ivory. I mean, that was one of the things that was really missing, uh, especially short yardage and, and goal line opportunities for the running backs. Those were not being converted a year ago with TJ Yeldon and Tabinbo Gunnar Gerhardt 
leading the way uh, at the stripe. I mean, that, that's exactly what you want, right? You want Tabinbo carrying the ball as much as possible. But Chris Ivory scoring in his Jags debut, Allen Robinson kind of in midseason form already, and Blake Bortles looking like he's picking up right where he left off last year. Yeah, we, we, you and I talked about this on the XM show uh, on Saturday, and I kind of gave a elongated, I guess, breakdown of the, the first two drives. The Jags went with the first team offense. Uh, we're only expected to do one drive, ended up doing two. Uh, drove right down uh, on the first drive. Blake Bortles ended up getting sacked on a third and goal. Uh, they were able to convert the field goal, and then they drove down again uh, on that second drive on the back of a huge 45-yard completion on a free play from Bortles to Robinson, just something you wouldn't have seen really from, from Blake Bortles last season. You know That kind of awareness, you know, the, the Aaron Rodgers trademark type of play, I guess, that uh, you know, I just don't know that he had the confidence in himself, the confidence you know, in, in, in his receivers to to just kind of launch a ball up like that. And even we saw him audibling at the line quite a bit more than, than I remember seeing in any game last season. Um, so, I mean, if anything, this, this often seems a little more nuanced. Allen Robinson, like you said, certainly hasn't lost a step. He looked great in limited action. Marquise Lee had four catches, uh, a guy that, you know, I have high expectations for if he can stay on the field. We'll see if that ends up actually being the case. Yeah. I've got the highlights sort of running as, uh, as you speak here. I mean, Alan Robinson's just really good. It's, it's kind of nasty. I mean, it, it part of his thing, you know, he is incredible. You don't want to take anything away from him at all, but I do wonder how much he inflates Blake Bortles value. You know, I mean, these, these are difficult, difficult catches and they're, they're good throws by Bortles to get him there, but I don't know five receivers in the league, maybe make some of these grabs. The two throws in particular that I saw, one being the, the longest game of the day for Robinson and one being out near the sideline, were both thrown in places where only he could go get them. So I guess that's a good sign for Bortles. But yeah, Robinson just making crazy catches uh, early on in his preseason. Uh, TJ Yeldon actually looked okay, four for 26. And Denard Robinson stayed awake, seven for 23. So the fact that he stayed awake, probably a good sign given what happened with him this off season. But yeah, Marquise Lee being on the field is a big deal. And you have to wonder, you know, Julius Thomas is banged up and, and missing time. Maybe we'll finally see Marquise Lee produce at something befitting an early draft pick. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. I, I think his ceiling at, at this point is somewhat limited from a fantasy perspective because, you know, best case scenario, he turns into a pretty good wide receiver three. You know, he's certainly not going to jump Allen Robinson and he's probably not going to jump Allen Hearns unless there's an injury there. So, you know, I, I think you kind of almost have to treat this as if it's his, his rookie or maybe his second year, just because of how little he's been on the field. The expectations still have to be fairly low, but uh, not a guy I'm targeting in fantasy leagues really this year, unless he gets off to a hot start and, and he's going to be available on the waiver wire in just about any league. Pretty standard performance overall from the Jets. We did see Geno Smith throw a touchdown pass. I believe I saw a tweet this morning from the Good Morning Football account, a new show on NFL Network. If you're sure. not familiar, this is not an endorsement of that show as much as it's just raising awareness of its existence. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, we saw uh, Charlie Casserly suggest that Geno Smith is the best backup quarterback in the league. And I haven't really thought much about that problem prior to That sounds to like today. a ridiculous statement, but then when you think about it, it's like, who, what other teams have... Yeah, what, what, there's no backup right now in the league where you're yeah. like, that guy has to play. Like, he's so right. good. He needs to get a chance. Like, yeah, I, the, the Matt Castle award, I guess, or the Matt Castle franchise tag. I don't know. That That is, you know, I'm trying to go team by team here. Um, I mean, I guess it kind of depends how you view, like, Carson Wentz or Jared Goff. You know, they're, I think they're in their own category, though. Like, they're not technically. Dak Prescott? Dak Prescott looked great. We'll talk about him. Sight sight unseen as far as what he'll do against like Mm -hmm. a real defense when games count someday. But yeah, I mean, maybe Jimmy Garoppolo, but he's also in kind of a unique situation as well. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it is Geno Smith. Like if, you, if you had to pick a backup quarterback to win you a game, it'd be the loser of the Gabbert Kaepernick thing. Mike Glennon's not terrible, but he's not good. Chad Henney. Mm, proven winner no proven proven winner chad henny well something to chew on at least i yeah. I, I couldn't come I up with a, thinking a, about this all day I, uh, what about aj mccarron i think he'd probably be a top five he's probably in the mix as far as uh, someone that a lot of people out there would say hey what can he do if he's given the chance right. and you know maybe it's just the, it's basically it's if your starting quarterback goes down can this guy go 500 for you the rest of the year i think aj mccarron can do that that's the job that and some, somehow we went from jags jets to aj mccarron I don't know how that's even possible. Such is life. 
Redskins, Falcons? Yeah, Redskins, Falcons, Falcons win this one 23 17. The scores don't even matter. I'm not going to read the scores for these no. anymore. Uh, Matt Schaub played well, which is exactly why you probably didn't watch this game. No Josh Doxson for Washington. They didn't really show us much of anything. Yeah. Kirk Cousins looked good in the little bit that he played. The running backs didn't look great. Keith Marshall didn't really do anything. I mean, is there anything of note from this? It was a, it was a revenge game for Aldrick Robinson. Three for 118. Yeah. Big, big game for Aldrick Robinson, but I don't think he has much of a role outside of the occasional, like, fly pattern long TD for the Falcons this year yeah I mean we didn't see much of Devontae Freeman just five carries he only played a couple series Tevin Coleman only two carries um like you said Aldrick Robinson was was the name I guess to to keep an eye on coming out of this game but with no Josh Doxson I mean there was really nothing to keep an eye on for Washington I mean when you're looking at these especially these week one preseason games you basically want to see rookie skill position players and you know guys drafted in the first three rounds and if they're not on the field not a ton to keep an eye on. Uh, it was interesting to see Colt McCoy handing off to Mac Brown. That is a, a bizarre set of circumstances. That's a weird dynamic, isn't it? Was it a little weird. Yeah, good to see Mac back in great shape. Looks younger than I ever remember him looking. He changed races, too. He changed races. He? He's changed a lot about himself. That's a that's a tremendous transformation to go yeah, like full Benjamin Button and mm-hmm. then like become a completely different race along yeah. the way. It's, it's never un- seen anything like it. Unprecedented. Uh, Eagles over the Bucks. Jameis Winston looked good yet again. Carson Wentz in his debut, looking kind of like a rookie who didn't play in Division yeah. One. You know, it's just kind of it's going to be a longer development path for obvious sorts of reasons. I think the the main question I have about the Eagles, and it kind of goes well past this particular preseason game is do you like any of the non Jordan Matthews pass catching options, either at receiver or at tight end? Is it year two for Nelson Aguilar going to be better? Is there a tight end that could get more valuable? Like it has, I hope it gets better for Nelson Aguilar. Josh Huff seems to have his, his moments, but you know, not a fantasy guy really. I, I think, I think I'm sticking with Jordan Matthews. I do like him. I think he's undervalued. I think there's always value to be found in the number one receiver, even if it's not in a good offense, even if it's in, you know, with the team that might be playing a division two rookie for half the season that's undergoing a coaching change. I mean, the situation, I guess, for Jordan Matthews, what I'm trying to say is it couldn't be a whole lot worse, but would you rather have Jordan Matthews? Or would you rather have, you know, we talked about this on Saturday, like a Marcus Wheaton. Yeah, I'll take number, Matthews number over, two Matthews over Wheaton, no right. questions asked. I mean, sure. even with that knee injury that Matthews is dealing with right now, he's kind of week to week, uh, should be back for week one. I would take him over a guy like Wheaton. So if there's any sort of significant discount on Matthews, I'm interested. I'm not paying full price for the broken version of him, but I mm-hmm. think he will get a pretty good volume of targets from Sam Bradford and company this season. Uh, but on the Buck side of this game, I mean, the other receiving options behind Mike Evans, and Vincent Jackson, I think that's the group that maybe there's a third player who can emerge. I don't know if it's going to be Austin Safarian Jenkins at tight end or a guy like Russell Shepard who happened to score in the opener. But it's more of a wait and see than a take them late and hope mm-hmm. to get early season value. I do like Russell Shepard. Um, I mean, this guy's the number one overall recruit coming out of high school. It was kind of a, a pretty big time disappointment relative to, to how he was recruited at LSU. But I mean, kind of a guy who can you know, line up in the slot has, has kind of that Reggie Bush type of game. So, I mean, you know, again, we've said this about a lot of guys, not someone you're targeting in drafts, but it wouldn't surprise me if he ended up, you know, having a couple decent games as the third or fourth guy. That's what week one of the preseason is all about, really just kind of opening your eyes to the possibility of, of players that could be valuable later on in the year if they make the roster and hang around. But mm-hmm. that's that will be valuable down the road. Uh, looking at the Patriots and Saints. Tyler Gaffney, nine carries for 64 yards and a TD. I don't know if there's a spot for him on that roster. I think that's that's one of the tricky things is figuring out which backs the Patriots are actually going to keep. Will they finally cut ties with Brandon Bolden? I mean, it seems like James White is safe as long as Deion Lewis is hurt. And even if Lewis is back, there's a chance he hangs around. Uh, long catch for James White in this one off a of screen, 56 yards. I had three carries for 12 yards as well, but I don't think they're going to let him run the ball that much. I think he's just going to be a pass-catching specialist for the most part. But Tyler Gaffney was the player that probably stood out the most. Malcolm Mitchell had a pretty good day, 4 for 55, before he uh, suffered a subluxation of his elbow, I believe it was. Is that basically a dislocation? It sounds <sighs> gross. I forget what the difference is, but it, it's, it, it looks bad. It's one of those injuries you see it, and it looks really bad. He's out a few weeks, so 
it's not an IR situation, but probably could delay the start of his season. Martellus Bennett, three for 33, so he was pretty heavily involved right away for the Patriots. I think that bodes well for his stock as the season approaches. Michael Thomas, one of the rookies people want to watch very closely, led the Saints four catches, 67 yards in this one. We didn't see that much of Drew Brees. He completed his only pass for 37 yards, and it went to Brandon Cooks, so... That connection seems to be fine after Cooks missed some time last week with an undisclosed injury. Yeah, we talked about Michael Thomas a little bit uh, last week, and I certainly like him physically. Uh, I think he's maybe kind of the guy that you look at as maybe the long-term Marcus Colston replacement maybe for this offense. Um, Certainly a bigger body than Brandon Cooks or, or Brandon Coleman, but I don't know where he necessarily fits in right away. I mean, it wouldn't be surprising the way that Drew Brees has historically spread the ball around if he's really, really productive as a rookie, but he's got Willie Sneed, he has Coleman, he has Cooks, all probably technically ahead of him, you would think, on the depth chart, and you know, certainly they'll mix those up with different packages, but with those other productive receivers around him, I, I do wonder just how much he's going to be on the field. I mean, the ceiling is that he's the number two behind Cooks, but yeah, yeah it's, it's uncertain just given that he's a rookie and right. we'll see how much they... I want to keep Willie Sneed involved. I mean, Sneed's efficiency last year was very impressive. And of course, they brought in Kobe Fleener as well. I'm not on Fleener, as I've said before. So I would I would temper the expectations. If you're looking at Fleener as a guy that's going to have his breakout season this year with the Saints, I'm not not expecting it. I don't I don't think just because they had success with Jimmy Graham prior to last season, I don't think just being a tight end in New Orleans is going to make him inherently valuable. Jimmy Graham was a physical freak before he got hurt. Mm-hmm. And the Saints actually schemed in ways that made sense to use him, which Seattle didn't, right. obviously, if you watched Daryl Bevel and company. I mean, Jimmy Graham ago. was basically playing receiver half the time. Yeah, he was there too. But people, that was a debate not all that long ago of whether he should even retain tight end eligibility. Well, know, yeah, that was, that, was, that was a franchise right. tag situation yeah, too. exactly. And this, this isn't going to be a plug and play. You know, Kobe Fleener isn't Jimmy Graham. I, I think, you know, they certainly schemed well for him and, and that showed when he went to Seattle, you know, how 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 much that scheme matters. But at the same time, I don't think there's really another tight end besides Gronkowski who can match that kind of athleticism. So there's been some buzz in Baltimore throughout camp that Terrence West has been the team's most impressive running back, and it's surprising to hear it just based on uh, what Terrence West has done to this point. I think there's always been some talent there. It's just a matter of of getting him to utilize it or tap into it at his full potential. Uh, I, I don't know if this can be something you look at closely as far as being enough to put him in the mix for a final roster spot, but nine carries, 25 yards, a couple touchdowns, Kenneth Dixon, nine for 44, uh, Buck Allen, not nearly as efficient on the ground, six carries, six yards, not much to get excited about as far as the pass catchers go. Buck Allen did score uh, receiving TD in this one in the second quarter, taking a pass from Ryan Mallett. But uh, looking at this game, this is one where very few things of interest took place. And I'm not sure there's anything meaningful you can draw from the Carolina side other than to say Joe Webb. the backup running backs really didn't do anything. A guy like Cameron Artis Payne, just five for 10. He's sort of interesting if he ends up emerging to be the backup to Jonathan Stewart, given that Stewart uh, is still being brought along pretty slowly coming off a foot injury. Yeah, yeah. I think you you certainly never draft, I guess, just banking on an injury, but this is going to be a really good offense. If Stewart's foot doesn't heal properly, if there's any complications there, I think Artis Payne's probably the guy. You still have Mike Tolbert, you know, who does vulture some carries around the goal line. Obviously, Cam Newton uh, probably does that even more than Tolbert at this point. Um, but, you know, if in the event that Jonathan Stewart goes down, I think Artis Payne is the clear guy I'm targeting there, unless you want to go with Joe Webb. 22 yards, six carries. I don't want to go with Joe Webb, but um, yeah, that was um, an interesting performance. He led them in rushing yards. That's the preseason for you. That is the preseason in a nutshell. Uh, Broncos were all over the Bears. Capri Bibbs, 15 carries, 53 yards. Your guy, Capri Bibbs. I I think it's Capri. Is it Capri? I would think so, right? I thought it was Capri. Capri? Capri Bibbs. Mm. I, I never would have struck me to pronounce it any, any other Capri way. Capri sounds more masculine. Yeah, it does. I mean, Capri, it, I just think of those terrible cut-off pants. <laughs> You're not into those? I'm not into those. That might surprise you. But no, uh, yeah, 15 carries, 53 yards for Mr. Capri Bibbs. Um, probably not going to be a lot of room for him. I mean, he's still a fringe roster guy, I think, at this point, behind Ronnie Hillman, C.J. Anderson, and and Devontae Booker. I mean, to you, is he just competing with Juwan Thompson, essentially? Probably. And I, yeah, I think he might be the, the outside looking in at the roster, maybe practice squad material when it's all said and done. I, I know you, you like you like Capri Bibbs because 
you guys share an affinity for hot tubs. Yeah, yeah. I had the pleasure of meeting uh, Capri slash Capri at a, a hot tub in K Texas. K Bibbs. K Bibbs. Yeah, back in 2014, he was he was living it up before the draft. So the Broncos quarterback situation, well, they were on full display. Mark Sanchez, 10 of 13, 99 yards, touchdown and a pick. Trevor Simeon was 7 of 12 for 88 yards. Paxton Lynch was 6 of 7 for 74 yards. There was a scout on hand who suggested that Paxton Lynch just isn't ready. I don't know how you could make that assertion just based on seven saw what he needed to see. passing attempts, but that's what scouts have to do. They take limited information. People and, don't really think he's ready, right? Like, this isn't like a big revelation. Or I don't think you should view this as you know, a disappointing you know, kind of an analysis of him through one quarter of his first NFL game. Well, yeah, and suboptimal competition, too, playing at Memphis. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not a uh, power conference. So you you look at it that way as a spot where he didn't see a lot of great defenses in college. Mm -hmm. So it shouldn't be that much of a surprise. Uh, We we have a brief Capri Bibbs update. Uh, According to Pro Football Reference, it is, in fact, pronounced Capri. It's not Capri. No, I'm sorry. Well, my apologies to Mr. Bibbs. I'm sure he's listening. Now it's time for our safe sleeper pick sponsored by Drive Sober or Get Pulled Over. Many of us will be downing beers at our fantasy football drafts, which leads to bad decisions in the later rounds or worse decisions like getting behind the wheel after the draft. Today's safe sleeper pick from those Denver Broncos is Devontae Booker. Yeah, you got to get the drum roll yeah, we going. Need a, we need a full drum set in here. Just one carry in this game. Took it for eight yards. I look at, I actually have one catch for eight yards. Uh, rushing yards, he had four for 11. So exploded for 11 yards. Exploded. I, I think you look at, you look at Booker as a guy who's clearly ahead of Bibbs, and I see him being a lot more useful than Ronnie Hillman. The payoff could be pretty big. I like CJ Anderson enough yeah. because the second half of last year, once he got healthy, he was very effective. But Booker, very explosive at Utah, not going to cost you a lot. And as we know, Gary Kubiak's system churns out a lot of value at the running back position so it's a good hedge against the cj anderson injury in at Devonte booker it might be a pick that doesn't pay off until week five or week six if not a little later but definitely someone worth stashing away as you move to the back half of your draft move on to the packers and browns three safeties in this game again three safety the perfect preseason event. defensive battle yeah it Cody really Kessler was going full dan orvlovsky just Running right out the back of the end zone. That's, that's how, that's, that's that's how it's done. You really, you really get to see it in the preseason. You're not going to th- see a three safety game in the regular season. I don't think it's ever happened, but I can't, I can't even think of the last time there's been a two safety game. I, that's yeah. When the second one happened, I'm sitting there. I'm like, when's the last time I saw two safeties in a game? I'm sure that has happened, but the oh, three, yeah. three in a regular season game, I'd be a little surprised. That that's actually mm-hmm. material, at least in the modern era. Maybe in in pre like in. I don't know, the fifties or something that maybe happened, but I can't imagine like since the merger that that's gone down. Uh, RG three, four of eight, 67 yards and a pick. He did find Terrell Pryor earlier in this one, which continues to be just one of those odd couple pairings, right? <laughs> I don't wonder that RG three to Terrell Pryor connection. That's like Colt McCoy handing off to Mac Brown where it's like, Oh, Robert Griffin finding Terrell Pryor down the seam. Like it, yeah. It's just, that's that's Cleveland right now. Exactly. Uh, Pryor played well. Two catches, 57 yards, had that 49-yarder from Griffin, but it was a mixed bag. Griffin picked off by Micah Hyde in the first quarter of this one. Uh, we saw the running game sputter a little bit, mostly because they didn't use it all that much. And Duke Johnson had just one carry for 11 yards, not really any reason to put him on the field much. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to see a lot of him until week two or week three of the preseason. Uh, Noah Isaiah Crowell, as far as production goes, he had one carry, took it backwards for two yards, but I don't know. I see Duke Johnson just taking over the bulk of the touches in that offense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we kind of rag on the Browns, and everybody does, but there, there are some intriguing pieces here. Terrell Pryor and RG3 being two of them. We talked about Josh Gordon, Corey Coleman, and Duke Johnson. I think we like what he brings in the passing game, and we're going to see him more as a runner this year. So, I mean, this team, will, they're going to be bad, but I think they'll be entertainingly bad. There are, there are teams out there, the Bears, they're not going to be enter- they're going to be bad and they're not going to be entertaining. The Browns are going to be bad and they will be entertaining. Yeah, the Browns will be very watchable. Eddie Lacy, who still apparently looks portly, according to our own Mario Puig, four carries, 24 yards. Joe Callahan, a cousin of Tommy Callahan the third, 16 for 23 for 124 yards and a score. I don't think we'll ever see him on the field in a regular season game, but 
nice moments Hopefully for him. Not. No. Um, uh, yeah, that would, that would be a lot of things going wrong. Uh, Jeff Janis is hurt, though. That's, that's kind of the big Packer takeaway from the weekend. The injury actually happened during practice. It's a hand injury. I believe it's a broken bone or broken bones in his hand. Mm-hmm. I think best case scenario, they club him up. He plays special teams because they like his speed uh, as a gunner. But beyond that, I don't think he has a role in this offense. And it probably opens things up for Jared Aberderis. And I think Trevor Davis is the fifth rounder competing for a roster spot. So he's got a better chance of making the team mm-hmm. if Janice is, in fact, uh, cut or limited. Yeah, I mean, Janice has the experience, but it, there's always been that perceived rift I guess between Aaron Rodgers and Jeff Janice and you know Rodgers kind of gets the LeBron treatment I guess as far as whenever he comments anything about the receiving core and and Janice specifically you know it's broken down and and analyzed uh, you know to try to get an opinion I guess on what he thinks of Jeff Janice and this is a guy who is kind of already on the borderline Nelson Cobb uh, Adams and Montgomery pretty much locks in that receiving core to be the top four so then you're looking at Aberderis Jeff Janice and Trevor Davis, two guys competing for probably three spots. Um, and I think, you know, I mean, is Janice kind of even with Trevor Davis at this point? The, the feeling to me is that Jared Aberderis has kind of surmounted Jeff Janice, you know, maybe even before this injury, but with Janice now unlikely to play the rest of the preseason, he's not really going to have a much, much of a chance to gain back any momentum. If you're new to this conversation, the big thing is that Jared Aberderis does what the playbook says he's supposed to do, and Jeff Janice doesn't. I mean, if you had them run like a 40 jeff janice will win every time if you if you watch them play you'd be like oh this guy this big fast guy jeff janice is definitely the way you want to go but then the more you watch them you'd realize like oh well aberderis like knows what to do and that will matter a lot more in a passing game with so much precision you know with aaron Rodgers at the helm so i, I think aberderis is in pretty good shape and if if a guy like Devonte adams gets hurt again or if one of the big two nelson and cobb has a setback eberderis could have some value later on this season as i think he does have that trust from aaron Rodgers. i mean it clearly means a lot given what uh, happened with janice last year we didn't really see janice produce until that playoff game against arizona because he very rarely had opportunities uh, lions over the steelers in detroit's opener and you look at the <laughs> this is a terrible team this is a really bad team Zach Zenner led the way with 24 rushing yards. Uh, Theo Riddick carried the ball four times for 15 yards, and Stephen Ridley carried it five times for 14 yards. There's nothing exciting about this Lions performance. Maybe Marvin Jones gets on the field in these next couple games a lot more, and he's a player I do want to watch closely because I want to see how much the preseason love he's been getting from the beat writers actually translates as game situations develop. You know, Matthew Stafford, Gordon, Golden Tate have a pretty close relationship. James Anderson was talking about that. Like they're they're close off the field too. So they have that rapport already since they played together prior to this season. But you hear all this hype about Marvin Jones like emerging to be the true number one receiver there. So I'm just curious if that's actually something that's going to be useful and if he's significantly undervalued right now as a result. Maybe you can speak better to this as a an ex Lions fan. Did the Lions miss their window? I mean, this is a franchise that reached depths really unseen in just about in the NFL, certainly, and maybe in, in all of pro sports, kind of in the mid 2000s. Um, and then, you know, with the emergence of Stafford, Calvin Johnson, um, and I guess they've kind of went through a stable of running backs. But did they miss their window to actually, you know, solidify themselves as a respectable franchise? I think they did. And the window has probably never been really that far open. No, they've, no, they've I never think it had was, a chance though, for a few years. On paper, it was always open. As soon as Barry Sanders retired, <laughs> like eight years before he needed to retire, like that was that's when the window shut. That's yeah. the day the music. I mean, the died. two best players, hands down, in franchise history, have retired basically at the peak of their powers, right? Yeah, I mean, or I guess with, with Calvin Johnson, you could see, you could see the signs of decline, yeah. but he was going to have a, a decline that was a very productive one. Like he could have played right. in the league for seven or eight more years with health and been a good receiver for the bulk of those seven or eight years, and been at least good enough to get on the field at the very end. But I think the ankle trouble was starting to pile; those starts can really pile up for him. And I wonder if with, with a big physical receiver like that, if those careers are actually shorter than we want them to be. It's a lot of wear and tear playing in in the nfl the the way these guys do i mean it's just it's unbelievable that some guys hang around the league as Mm -hmm. long as they do i think it gives us unrealistic expectations in some ways because we see one star player have a career that spans 15 years and we think okay anybody who plays at that level can sustain 
that level as long as, you know, like an Anquan Bolden right. type That's player. That's the guy I always think of. I think he kind of sets the bar unrealistically high for a lot of these guys. Yeah, like that's that's an amazing accomplishment. Like being as productive Playing as he is at his age. NFL. Yeah, just getting there is hard I don't enough. Think I, I don't I think I would last what fifteen seconds in the NFL. Like I'm very confident that if I for some reason was ever forced to play in an NFL game, I would fumble the ball every single time I touched it. Well, just imagine, times. just imagine if you let's just say you're playing defense. Like let's just say so Packers call you and say, Nick, we need an extra guy to come play. Yeah outside linebacker for us it's just, just, just in practice yeah. like we need like an eighth string like, outside yeah, you, linebacker you drive up yeah you're like all right yeah I, I can make it up you know pad me up so you go on the practice field and you get your assignment you know what you're supposed to do even yep. which is going to take some time to figure wow. out but let's just say you know what you're going to do exactly what you're supposed to do on your play you know your assignment you're going you're going to make a tackle some guy would come block you and hit you so hard you wouldn't right. have any idea where you are mm-hmm. like you would forget like that you're playing football yep. like that's that's what happened to me like i would be destroyed on the first snap guaranteed yeah. they'd see me and be like i'm gonna kill that guy the, i don't know who the easiest person to tackle is in the nfl the easiest person to tackle in the nfl like a, like a non-spec like a, easiest, skill, a skill position player I, yeah i don't i'm not i'm trying to think of who that would even be like the easiest person to tackle or the least intimidating <laughs> person to tackle would probably knock either of us out yeah, I mean, let's, I'm, I'm trying to think of like a small running back, but then the small running yeah, backs I don't know, are like fast. Anthony Thomas, he only weighs like 170 pounds, but I wouldn't be able to get a hand on him. Like right. he, oh, he would yeah, just would make be, me look stupid. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't even be close. Like it, it, I would look like the biggest yeah. ass clown of all time trying to tackle the Anthony. That's Thomas. another thing too. Is not I, I, this is so off topic, but you know, not realizing how fast these guys are for their size. You know, like we we run, we would probably run the 40 in the same time that like an average what left guard runs it if that we, like those, guard, like, yeah. those guys are probably faster than we us would, we would look unbelievably slow as as relatively in shape you know 20 something year old males yeah yeah 20 something plus a little you know are you in your 30s am i i don't know we'll table that discussion it's a tremendous mystery you'll have to check the wikipedia yeah. page and see I right, move on to the Dolphins and Giants. Jay Ajayi was out there, which just the fact that he played is actually a good sign. A couple carries, six yards. The performance doesn't matter. It's really the health of the knee, but I'm convinced that Arian Foster is going to take over the lead back role if he hasn't technically done it already. Sterling Shepard had a catch for 24 yards, left this game with groin soreness. Paul Perkins is the player that I'm most interested in as far as the Giants running backs go. It's not because I expect him to start early in the year. But I think it's because by the time Rashad Jennings breaks down, I think Perkins will be up to speed enough in that offense where he has a chance to take over the lead back role if or when Rashad Jennings goes mm-hmm. down. Yeah, I mean, there's just kind of a backfield full of a lot of options, but no real inspiring options. And I, I think Perkins is probably the most inspiring when you're considering the other options are Shane Barine, Andre Williams and Orleans Darkwa yeah. and Bobby Rainey. Orleans Darkwa, I think, is kind of an interesting player, but I don't know if he'll ever get the the volume to really cash mm-hmm. in on that. I think he's more no. as a role guy. I wonder if Andre Williams is even safe though to make the team. It, you do have to wonder which they can't keep. Are they going to keep six running backs? No. Are they going to keep five? Even probably not. I don't see why you would. I guess part of it depends on the special teams contribution. Yeah. That, that's always the the angle with the depth chart that I don't know enough mm-hmm. about for every other team. Like I have a right. loose idea in green bay who plays on the special teams units but most places i'm not sure mm-hmm. and if you can just hang on the roster because of that it gives you more chances in practice right. to eventually impress as a runner or as a receiver mm-hmm. and then with that you can get on the field later in the year but i don't know if andre williams even makes this roster i think it's at least somewhat of a question let's move on to the vikings and Bengals. teddy bridgewater 49 yard touchdown pass to charles johnson teddy deep ball is that happening Apparently he worked with a throwing coach this this offseason. Tom he House? Can now, he can now throw the, I don't know, is he the only one? He's the only one I he know of. Be. Is he like the Dr. James Andrews of throwing coaches? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, yeah. well, he can throw the deep ball now. He can throw the ball more than 30 yards. That's going to be pretty big, I think. Uh, Charles Johnson on the receiving end of that 49-yard touchdown. Laquan Treadwell, four catches, 41 yards, uh, four catches on five targets. A pretty encouraging debut, I, I think. You know, it's it's tough to set expectations in limited time for guys like that, but I think Minnesota certainly has to be encouraged. Saw Tyler Boyd, another rookie wide receiver, he had a forty yard catch uh, in this one. But Alex Erickson, ex Wisconsin Badger, Alex Erickson caught a touchdown uh, and brought a punt back as well. So if we're talking about guys who might sneak their way on, you know, to a roster via special teams, I think he's one of the early favorites from Week One. I told RotoWire's Jeff Erickson, no relation. 
that Alex Erickson was a pretty nice sleeper to possibly make that roster and to maybe get some targets in the passing game eventually too. No, because I think so too. There's the same thing with, with like Jared Aberderis where you have it, it, you have the less than optimal athleticism, but he's not slow. Like Alex Erickson is not slow in the same way that Jared Aberderis is not slow. Mm-hmm. He's versatile. I mean, the return game is something he can be a part of, so that might help him get on the roster. And the route running and the hands are good. So he's just, well, he's good at everything. He's not great at anything, but he's not bad at anything. Right? Either. There's no and, and there's no glaring weakness right. in his game. Yeah, I, I don't think. I mean, he was basically the number one receiver for a very weird Wisconsin passing game last season. You know, teaming up with Joel Stave, um, and, and certainly he's not going to step in in that role for an NFL team. But you know, I mean, he I think he's versatile enough to play in the slot if he has to. He can kind of he can just fill a hole. You know, he's he's a guy that's not going to be a liability for you. But you know, we might be getting ahead of ourselves. Maybe we're a little bit biased. You know, him being a Wisconsin guy, we don't even know if he's going to make the team at this point. But I, I think if there's one takeaway from this game, it was kind of the emergence of Alex Erickson. By the way, isn't Joel Stave was he like a civil engineering major? Like how many how many civil engineering majors play quarterback at, at a D one program? That's a good question. I don't know. Aren't they usually just general studies? I don't even I don't know what quarterbacks usually major in. It's usually a little more legit than like what everybody else yeah. tends to do for the most part. Communications. Yep. A, lot of, a lot of communications majors bouncing around the NFL. But part of the reasoning behind that, aside from the flexibility of that coursework, is that it does give players the right foundation for dealing with the media and right. eventually maybe getting a job working mm-hmm. in sports media, which is, you know, it's a good fit. But nonetheless, it, it's just kind of odd that Erickson was productive in an offense that didn't really throw it a lot and had a quarterback that right. is he's actually on a roster. That's amazing. He's to on me. the Vikings roster. Yeah. He, he played against him. He might actually make the roster. I think he I think he's probably the favorite to, to, win, the, the roster, to win to win right? the third yeah. spot, right? Bizarre. Yeah, I didn't see that Bizarre coming. Bizarre set of circumstances. AJ McCarron, who's already been mentioned once on this pod, eleven for sixteen, hundred and twenty five yards and a TD. Not going to matter back much. Up in the league. Maybe, maybe he's our guy. We'll have to keep debating this over the next few weeks. Uh, Laquan Treadwell on the other side, by the way, four for forty-one. So a pretty nice debut from him. And Tyler Boyd had one catch for forty yards. I mean, Boyd and Erickson both could see steady time. Boyd, of course, there's a bigger investment in him, so it'll happen sooner. But I think Erickson mm-hmm. uh, could be on the field at least later in the year, but maybe right away as a special teams guy. Uh, Raiders over the Cardinals, Matt McGloin, a couple TD passes. The player in the Raiders offense that people don't talk about a lot, though, is DeAndre Washington. Eight carries, 43 yards, had a 25-yarder in there, caught a pass for 32 yards. just seems like if something happens to Latavius Murray, DeAndre Washington is a player you'd like to have on your roster because he can do a little little bit of everything. Yeah, a little bit of a poor man's Darren Sproles. Um, you know, certainly not that dynamic. He's a little bigger than Sproles, though, he's right? He's a little bit. I mean, he's 5'8", I think he's listed at. Sproles, what, 5'6", five, 5'7". Five, but, you know, you're diminutive type of kind of scat back, water bug type of guy. Um, and you know, I, I, what I like about him is he's such a, a contrast to Latavius Murray. You know, what has he got? Six inches on him. You know, obviously Murray's a guy who runs high. Murray's just, a Murray's a big back. Right, right. Murray's a big bruising back. DeAndre Washington really couldn't be any more the opposite of that. Murray, though, for a big guy, runs pretty well too. It's not just like he's a like a Brandon Jacobs slow, chunky back no, or anything no, like no. that. He's just very tall. Uh, as far as Arizona goes, just, did not think we'd be calling Brandon Jacobs chunky on this podcast. Well, I mean, I mean, it's accurate. It's, yeah. It's, it, is, is it a lie? I, mean, I feel like it's pretty accurate. <laughs> uh, Cardinals do have a lot of good running backs behind David Johnson. I mean, Chris Johnson, double digit carries every game he played last season. Andre Ellington, this time a year ago, we looked at him and thought he might be the guy leading the way, basically doing what Chris Johnson did. Mm-hmm. So he's still there. I'm not worried about the other two guys, but do you have any concerns about Chris Johnson chipping away at the workload of David Johnson enough to Enough to make you stay away from David Johnson as a mid-first round pick. You know that that's interesting. You asked me that. We've we've actually broached this subject before, and you know I have a not strong concerns about David Johnson's workload. I think he's talented enough that it's going to be really tough to keep him off the field. Um, but this is a guy. I think he went for what fifty six, fifty seven dollars in our recent auction. Second highest price player on the board in a non PPR league. To me, that seemed like a little bit of an overpay. And, and like you said, I mean Chris Johnson had at least ten carries in, in all every game that he played in. Is that what you said? Yeah, it was at least double yeah, digit carries. I mean, every I, game I, he played. Might have been the one game that he got hurt where he didn't get that. Yeah, but. Sure. I think at the end of the year, I mean, there's not going to be a mandate where Chris Johnson has to get to 10 carries every game. You know, if, if David Johnson 
is is hot one game and he's probably going to be hot a lot of games are going to keep riding him but at the same time Chris Johnson had opportunities to go elsewhere and into what you would think would be a larger role um and he stayed in Arizona so you know part of me thinks there's a reason he stayed you know he's there's going to be a workload for him there they have Andre Ellington they have Stefan Taylor again not guys that they're going to be force feeding by any means but this isn't an Adrian Peterson situation where David Johnson just going to be getting the ball over and over and over and over. I wonder if Andre Ellington's going to return kicks this year. I, th- I think like, they like JJ th- Nelson. They have Nelson back he there did, too. He did fumble a punt though in this game. But Nelson, Nelson on punts, I think would be the, the yeah. model, but I think Ellington would be the other guy that goes back on sure. kickoffs because they're not going to use him that much mm-hmm. as a runner. But man, like if the injuries hadn't chipped away at him, I have right. to wonder what he might've been able to do yeah. last year with the volume that Chris Johnson was getting. Do you enjoy playing fantasy football for cash but are tired of the same game offerings or hosting sites keeping too much of the prize pool? If so, check out MaximumFantasySports.com. They offer a variety of season-long and DFS fantasy football leagues with features no other website has, and they pay out 90% of the prize pool. Does your state prevent you from playing in a DFS league and you're not interested in a full-season league? MFS runs monthly fantasy football leagues known as four-week frenzy leagues that are available to you. Forget salary cap leagues and use the online draft for all of your full-season and short-term leagues at Maximum Fantasy Sports. Private leagues interest you. Register your own redraft and keeper leagues using options like in-game player changes, multi-team trades, team quarterbacks, bi-week rollover, and more. You can even run your survivor pools, confidence pools, pick em pools, and squares pools for free at MaximumFantasySports.com. Join today. Let's move on through the bottom part of this slate. Seahawks over the Chiefs. Kristen Michael, 7 for 44. It may actually be somewhat real that he's turned things around in this stint with Seattle. That's the word on the street. I'm not quite ready to believe that, but it, there's the opportunity i guess if thomas rawls is still bothered at all by this ankle injury and you know it's it's rare really in the nfl anyway to just have a one-back system at this point you know and there's going to be a workload for christine michael even if thomas rawls is healthy for 16 games the question is it going to be enough of a role where he's going to be productive in in any normal fantasy formats i think if thomas rawls has a legit setback michael versus alex collins is almost a coin flip right now as to who would take on the bulk of the carries and whoever gets that opportunity it's a good offense. The offensive line seemed to gel as last season progressed. It's never been a, a lack of talent for Kristen Michael. It's just been kind of like the Terrence West problem where he hasn't been able to put it all together. Uh, looking at the Colts and Bills, Cardell Jones, 11 for 21, 162 yards and a score. Also ran four times for 34 yards. I mean, Tyrod Taylor just got a long contract extension. There's some opt-outs in there. Definitely a team-friendly sort of deal, but one that will pay Tyrod Taylor a lot of money if he continues to take a step forward. Really, to me, that deal can hinge as much on Taylor's performance as it does on the development of a guy like Cardell Jones. Yeah, I was just going to ask you about that, and you know, we'll, we'll have to do a deeper dive another time into you know all the options included in that Tyrod Taylor deal. But like you said, it, it, you, see, you see six-year, $100 million commitment and, you know, that certainly looks a little more daunting, I guess, than the actual contract is. I mean, they're, they're certainly not locked into that deal, I think, beyond two years. Um, so it, you do kind of wonder if they're maybe trying to line that up with the development of Cardell Jones. I mean, do you think the Bills still see Cardell, even with the way that his stock kind of plummeted throughout the season at Ohio State? Do they still see him as their long term guy? They do until something better comes along. I mean, it was it was a good value where they got it was a fourth round pick, if I'm not mistaken. So that seems like it's it's well it's worthwhile because Tyrod Taylor seems good enough to keep them competitive for the time being. Uh, let's move on to the Cowboys and Rams. Case Keenum, six of seven, fifty-eight yards, pushing Jared Goff for that job. Goff was four of nine for thirty-eight yards and a pick. Also suffered a bruised shoulder in that one. Uh, Dak Prescott, impressive, ten of twelve, hundred and thirty-nine yards, two touchdowns, one to Dez, one to Terrence Williams. Have the Cowboys found their? their next quarterback essentially in Prescott and at least a guy that should Tony Romo go down with an injury, someone that could be interesting running that offense. It would certainly be interesting. That's for sure. I, I don't know how they necessarily view Dak Prescott. I mean, obviously quite a contrast to the the style of play uh, to that of Tony Romo, but you know, at some point they're going to have to start thinking about, you know, who, who does replace Tony Romo and you know, the injury history of these last couple of years has kind of accelerated that timeline. But yeah, I think the Cowboys will still probably look through the draft. I mean, they've been linked to just about 
you know, any quarterback that's been on the market, um, you know, going back to Manziel and in hindsight kind of seems smart that they didn't pull the trigger on that. But I mean, if Dak Prescott's able to string together a couple more encouraging preseason games, maybe that, that kind of elevates where they see him long-term. Yeah, it, it really, really could. I mean, I, I think he's, he's the guy, like he's the backup at yeah. this point. I don't, I don't really know if they, he look would be at very interesting solution. in the event that Romo goes down just because he can move a little bit. He can run in, you know, inside the twenties. And you might remember, I mean, Terrell Pryor, a few years ago when he was starting games for Oakland was useful yeah. from a fantasy standpoint right? because you could plug him in you get those rushing yards. And I think Dak Prescott has a lot more to offer yeah. as a passer than Terrell Pryor. Dak, Dak did. Prescott was what, like five weeks away from winning the Heisman a couple of years ago. Yeah. So not could, that that's ever been a, a huge predictor of NFL success, but no, no, but, but I, there's just, there's a lot there in terms of physical right. tools that could be turned into something over time. So if the Cowboys have a little bit of time to see what they have in him and it's an interesting debut at the very mm-hmm. least. Uh, Titans over the Chargers. Melvin Gordon, definitely a player we're watching closely. I mean, the, coming off knee surgery, you have to wonder uh, what's kind of the, I don't know, what level of health is he at? It seems like he's pretty healthy, though. 44-yard touchdown catch in this one. Yeah, and kind of caught a, a dump-off pass, more or less, over the middle and had a ton of room to run. Ended up uh, trucking a poor Titans cornerback into the end zone as he finished off that run but yeah he looked good uh still hasn't gotten into the into the end zone on the ground but but certainly encouraging to see him run in the open field like that something we really didn't see much at all of last season demarco murray had a long td run of 71 yarder six for 93 in total derrick henry 10 for 74 along of 16 he scored bishop sankey even scored the Titans totally forgot Bishop Sankey existed. Oh, I did too. But the Titans might have a really nice running game. If they, if they can run block effectively enough for those backs to open up lanes and Mariota can really force teams to defend the edge. This could be a really interesting Tennessee offense for the first time in several seasons with the weapons they have put together. Uh, last game of week one for the preseason Texans and Niners. No Colin Kaepernick in this one. We saw Blaine Gabbert go four for 10, 63 yards and a score. Uh, Mike what Davis. What, yeah, Blaine Gabbert can do everything. Mike Davis had 72 yards on the ground on five carries. Carlos Hyde, five for 27. So San Francisco was running it pretty well in this one. Vance McDonald, two catches, 54 yards and a score. He's one of those players that people keep looking at and talking up as a, a late option at tight end. You wait the position past the first 10 or 12 tight ends off the board. Vance McDonald could have a significant role in Chip Kelly's offense. Yeah, and I see here you already have a, a Darren Ravel headline kind of written out. Yeah, my my belief is that the first site that uses Vance Joy as a headline should just be banned from Twitter forever. I I don't know if I'm like the opposite of dating myself here or what, but what is that? What is that a reference to? You know that song, that Riptide song, it's been on the radio for like a year. No, you probably would know it if you heard it. But yeah, I'll, as soon as we're done here, I'll play it. Yeah, you you'll recognize it after the first couple bars. But anyway, Vance Joy is the the artist of that uh, particular song. So Interesting. you know it's going to happen because people always take the low hanging fruit when it comes mm-hmm. to their headlines. All right, well, that's going to wrap up the first week of our preseason recaps. More interesting things to come as more uh, prominent players take on larger roles, of course, in weeks two and three. But hopefully, we got you some info that will be useful. If not to begin this season, perhaps later on in the year, depending on how these job battles and things unfold. It's going to wrap things up for today's episode of the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Drive Sober or Get Pulled Over. Jake and Eric are back with you tomorrow. Your backyard's right in our backyard, which means we have hand-picked products that are right for the birds in your neighborhood, like premium bird seed, suet, birdhouses, and feeders. Stop by your local Ace and get everything you need to attract the birds you want, including Ace Wild Bird Food, on sale now. Now through Tuesday only, when you buy two 20-pound bags of wild bird food, get a third bag free, only at Ace, the helpful place. Offer valid through February 28th at participating stores.